Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Away podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamatato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Kaushima Bukuro, Mr. Devin Nikoba. Before we begin, let me remind of our listeners... Let me remind all of our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to listen to the podcast. And of course, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. If you'd like to help the show, get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and donate. There you'll be more involved with the show and help to determine who and what is filmed. And we actually have some... What? No, we. Um, <laughs> oh, and also, uh, don't forget to rate us, please. Uh, five stars if you can. If you can't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about rating. <laughs> and, and like us on like uh, all all the different stuff that you're watching us on, because it really it helps us actually. It helps the show. Yeah, and and uh, and it's free. Like you don't it doesn't cost you nothing. To be fair, we are gonna start. Tr- so we've been doing the Thursday Twitch streams, but we are gonna start trying to do like Facebook, try to do YouTube, and see what what the reaction is mm. from people so just be on the lookout for that because we'll be posting about that on our social media so yeah and if you have any uh, questions or comments feel free to just let John know yes shoot it our way and thank you for ruler market but uh, pickle mango is good the pickle ma- <laughs> that's mango this time yeah, yeah. it's mango oh pickled mango okay well before that really to thank Kupu Kupu Landscaping Landscape Architects if you have any landscaping needs Joe, do you have any like greenery around the warehouse or anything? We do actually. Okay, then. John, you didn't actually introduce him yet. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I will. I will. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just ask him question first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you uh, Kevin's number after we're done with this. Perfect. He's good. And of course, Fort Ruger Market. We just ate a whole bunch of like poke and stuff, and I'm so full. Chicharron and yeah, we had the special subis. What is the other musubi with the other kind of... I don't know. I'm, we're all going to take a nap after this, though, for sure. Yeah, but what is the round sausage Goderberg, called? Goderberg, Goderberg sausage. Goderberg sausage. sausage. Yeah. yeah. You used so to only be able to get it on Kauai. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is there a Goderberg family there in Kauai? Or no, it's just there was a um, uh, one of the markets there would bring it in. And they were the only ones that would bring it in. Nobody oh. else would bring in Goderberg. Huh. And then I think either Foodland or somebody else started doing it. Because otherwise, only Kauai can get them. Mm. Well, you should know your sausage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Right. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of podcast, folks. Right. So strap in. Here we go. <laughs> you, you and the good one, Joe. <laughs> All right. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> find Devin on Kumu 94.7, and you can go to highlifeclothing.com to find Kyle's designs. And that brings us to our guest, Mr. Joe Souza. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here today. Joe is the founder and owner of Kanilea Ukulele. And so, you know, we've and, had... And a Kylo High School graduate. Yes. That's so right. Friday's well, baby. Kailua represent public school. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Everybody here is public school. Yeah, yeah. everybody has public That's school. Right. Mm-hmm. That's nice. We had a long string of Kamehameha-only mm. graduates. Not that there's anything wrong Not that there's that. anything wrong with Kamehameha <laughs> or anything, but it's nice to have the public school represented here. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a common mistake. They see me in blue and white, and the, the immediate assumption is Kamehameha, but do they know? Kailua. I know. Yes. Exactly. We represent, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Kanilea Ukulele has been in business since 1998. It was started in Joe's garage, mm-hmm. has grown to be one of the larger ukulele companies here, and 
uh, Honoka plays uh, Kanile Ukulele, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, Kapena, Kelly Boy, has been playing your stuff. So yeah. it, it is a legit instrument and, uh, and doing well. So I thought, you know, we've had Alan on, mm-hmm. who's, uh, who's a character, mm-hmm. if I can put it lightly. Mildly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mildly. And so I thought, oh, we should have Joe on to come talk about Kanilea too. All these guys are, are you know, the nice thing about the Hawaii ukulele scene, mm-hmm. I guess, you mm-hmm. know, there's Kamaka, there's Koloha, there's Kanilea, all these guys. They seem to get along, from we what do. I understand. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of business out there. People buying buying ukuleles like crazy nowadays, mm-hmm. versus back when we were kids. And so, yeah, it seems like everybody's kind of doing their thing, and everybody has their own look on the business and their ukuleles and how they're made and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But Joe, um, take us from '98. Like, what what made you even get started in to to making ukuleles? Wow. I guess it really started as a player. So, oh, okay, mm, all right. you know, going to in China Lake Elementary in the fourth grade, <laughs> my fourth grade music teacher just so happened to be my mom's twin sister, Mrs. Oh, Durant. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. She literally grabbed me by the ear, sat me in the front of her class and said, you're going to learn ukulele. And she planted a seed, uh-huh. uh, which is okay. really a love for this instrument. So as a player, and, you know, even as a young mind after graduating high school and going on, because... You know, even in the fourth grade, nobody really raises their hand and says, I want to be an ukulele builder, right? It's, I want to uh-huh. be a firefighter. Yeah. I want to be a policeman. I want to be, a, you know. So, uh, actually got into the Honolulu Fire Department, was a firefighter, retired from the Honolulu Fire Department. All the time while being a firefighter, my part-time was building ukulele. Oh. And so this oh. young, inquisitive mind of how does an ukulele work? How does it play? How does it hold a note? You know, how does it stay in tune? All of these things all kind of fed this young, inquisitive mind to discover what is it that makes an ukulele. And that led to eventually learning how to build my own ukulele. And that started with a gentleman right in Kaneohe. His name is Peter Bermudez. And although Uncle Pete has passed, you know, he did continue on and he kind of fueled this love for ukulele. But he didn't really set boundaries. You know, he didn't make these parameters of well, we don't do that, or this mm. is how you build. It's more, yeah, let's try it. You know, he created a, a an open environment enough as far as a builder to say, there's, there is no rules, there's no boundaries. So really the first ukulele that I made with him in his shop, but completely on my own, was what today we would call a super concert, which is a concert-sized body with a tenor scale or a long neck concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which at the time, that was... I was out of bounds. You know, you would never do that. But there was no rules that Uncle Pete created that said it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. He said, it will work, I think. Let's try. <laughs> and so we tried, you know. And, I mean, even from his shop. In fact, one of the guys are just asking me about this. And I was explaining to him, like, how we build today is entirely different than how I learned from Uncle Pete. You know, for him, it was, hey, get one extra set of chopsticks when we was getting our poke bowl because that's going to be our bracing. You wow. know? So we get the chopsticks <laughs> to put inside the ukulele to make our bracing. Whereas today we use, you know, hand split Sitka spruce that's from the beginning designed to become an ukulele uh, brace or, mm. you know, the bracing on a musical instrument. So all of those little things that he basically taught me led to eventually building my own in his shop. And then once we, you know, uh, my wife and I met and we decided that, you know, besides being a firefighter on my part time, I could do ukulele uh, with Uncle Pete's blessing. He helped me set up the shop, you know, because wow. 
I got into the fire department and my schedule had changed. So there were, I was on a day, off a day, on a day, off a day, in yeah. firefighter schedule. And there were days where Uncle Pete was in the shop. And then there were days where he wasn't because he was retired. You know, he was going mm-hmm. golfing or going fishing and doing the things that retirees do. So whenever he wasn't in the shop, I would always respect his shop. And I wouldn't go to work in his shop, although I had orders to make. When he was in the shop on my days off, then we would go in and I would cut and sand and do the things that we needed to do with eventually, and with his blessing, helping me to set up a shop at home. So when he was, you know, or when I was off and he was not at home or in the shop, I could still continue on, you know, with the jigs and bending of the sides What was his motivation to build? He just liked to build as well? Or was he in business too, to make ukulele? Not really. The name of his ukulele was Haiku Yukes. Okay. Uh, you know, being there in Haiku Valley, oh, Kaneohe, that was kind of, you know, his nod to where he was from. And he didn't really commercially, commercially build ukulele. It was more just a hobby. Mm. It was, mm. he was a, a retired shipyard, you know, he retired from Pearl Harbor and loved woodworking, but was a metal worker, you know, as, mm. uh, as a profession. Oh, so his hobby was woodworking, which then led to, or, you know, it led to him building ukulele and of course bowl turning and making boxes and other things that woodworking you know uh, woodworking shops could do but the ukulele side of course really kind of enticed me in a way because I didn't think of becoming an ukulele builder in fact how I met Uncle Pete it was real interesting Uh, you know I'd gotten my first real job out of high school I was working at Chicks Union the 76 gas station in Enchanted Lakes uh-huh. and my mom was like okay you got to stop beating up on my ukulele you got to go get your own <laughs> ukulele <laughs> so she introduced me to Uncle Pete because she used to do his books she was uh, she was an accountant okay. and a tax preparer so that's how I met Uncle Pete and of course we hit it off because he loved Hawaiian music I love Hawaiian music we would play jam kanikapila all the time and that led to, hey, would you like to learn how to build an ukulele? And I told him, yeah, I'd be honored, you know, to just apprentice under him. Because his son had already kind of started his career and, and, and a family and wasn't really showing interest in the ukulele mm. shop. And he had a nephew who was also a firefighter. So, you know, it was kind of he and I learning together. What was your mom's, well, what was your first ukulele or was it your mom's on what, what brand was it? My mom's first, well, the ukulele that I still have, my mom's first ukulele was a Martin, a Martin Soprano. Oh, wow. Uh, which we still have. Uh, then she had a Kamaka Soprano that, you know, those were like off limits. Don't touch her, Martin, and don't touch <laughs> so her. So much of that from those days. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Right. So she had another ukulele. was actually built by Ron Yasuda, who was another builder in Kaneohe. And Ron used to work for Kamaka. So his ukuleles kind of resembled a Kamaka yeah. as far as the mm. look and the sound. And that was kind of the primary ukulele that I would play. It was a six-string concert mm. that one of the strings had broken, so it became a five-string concert. <laughs> you know, and I played that for years, uh, which eventually led my mom to saying, hey, okay, enough already. Stop beating up on mine and go get your own. Oh, cool. you know? So you know the first one you made? Do you still have it? You know, it's funny. I gave it to... So, funny story. I gave it to my brother, Well, kind of in trade. He wanted an ukulele, I wanted a longboard. So I, I traded him ukulele for longboard. He broke the long or broke the ukulele. I ended up giving the longboard back to my nephew. So the board continued on. The ukulele he never made he, it. Yeah, he, never made it. It. he bust. He left it in his car. You know, forgot it in his car yeah. and then, you know, hot oh, day yeah. and that just oh. kind of beat it up. So oh. eventually it, it got to the point where it was unplayable. 
yeah. But no, to answer your question, the, the well, first too bad. Yeah, would, yeah. you'd be like hung up on the, in a museum or something. Maybe, yeah, you know, someday. Well, you could <laughs> still hang it up. It just wouldn't look real nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I can play. <laughs> yeah, what the neck was like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you oh. know, it's kind of interesting because I'm old enough now to have seen Kanilea come out and then become this brand that people knew about, but you know it didn't have it, the notoriety that it has today. Mm-hmm. And that took a, a while, you know? I mean, you guys worked really hard to get to where you are today. How mm-hmm. was that struggle to to become a brand that people are like, they recognize like a Kamaka, you know, like, oh, Kanilea, I know what that is and I'm willing to buy it because of the, mm-hmm. the brand name and the quality that I know that is associated with that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for even kind of connecting us with Kamaka because they're <laughs> such a you know a time honored in especially growing up here right they yeah, they yeah, are yeah. the ukulele you yeah. know right, as far right, right, as growing right. up here um you know I'm not gonna say it was easy but I I think we were fortunate when we first stepped into ukulele at the time it was before this this boom to Sarah what has taken place mm, over the last mm-hmm. 20 plus years and you know, always staying true to quality, sound, playability, you know, those kind of key components as a musical instrument as really the benchmark of how we build our instrument kind of leads to where we are today. And and I guess the one thing that we never really did is we didn't ever like follow or copy someone. Mm-hmm. And I think I can attribute that to Uncle Pete, you know, to create a, you know, a space that you can create whatever you want. There are no rules. It's just a matter of what are you looking for as a player? What are you looking for in sound? You know, the combination of wood. So I think in those, you know, with that kind of mindset is what led us to where we are today, that we really don't build like another builder. And I would say lovingly that all of the, you know, the 4K to say, you know, Kamaka, Ko'oloha, Ko'olau, and ourselves, we all have our own lane in a sense yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. our own way of building and that's why i feel like i can speak freely about it because i think everybody kind of respects everybody else and yeah yeah and i mean the common conversation when you get builders in the room of course is oh how you guys do your finish or what's you know mm. this and that and that and this and i think even today you know if, if if we as a forum kind of were talking story with us as builders we would see how open our conversation would be. You know, I mean, so many different funny stories. You know, we're, we're in Japan on a stage trying to beat the world record, the Guinness Book world record of the most ukulele players playing ukulele, same song, same time. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think the, the, um, the honors were held in Switzerland or somewhere in Europe. So here we are, Konishiki is leading the group, you know, and I mean, thousands of people came out for this event to come and try and beat the world record which i think we did but it was only it was was short-lived but we're on stage and we're jamming and we're playing and casey kamaka you know one of the kamaka brothers comes up to me nudges me goes hoba where you guys get your necks from (laughs) (laughs) i'll be happy to introduce you steve allison north american wood products i mean that's how open we are like yeah yeah, i'll be happy to share where we get our necks i see it as a win for casey Casey, you know, or for yeah. Kamaka, uh-huh. and a win for our, our supplier too. Yeah, you know, because a lot of what we're buying in in respect to these wood suppliers is 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 fall offs from what they're supplying the guitar uh-huh. industry. You know, mm-hmm. so they're trying to get Gibson guitar, you know, so many thousand of necks, and 
inevitably they're going to have these fall-offs. You know, even at 1% or 2%, they're going to have these other pieces that couldn't make a guitar, but our ukulele specs fit perfectly right into what couldn't be used to say. And we're all willing to pay fair market value. You know, it's not like we can walk to City Mill and say, oh, I'm looking for a piece of genuine mahogany, quarter sign, you know, all of this musical instrument stuff, because it's just not available for us. But here we are working with our suppliers to then be able to build ukulele, which we're going to do, but then do it pretty much as a win-win, you know, and that's how we we look at business decisions, really, is how do we create a win-win so that our supplier, you know, he has the pieces. If not, it's just going to be in a, in a scrap pile mm-hmm. and we're really bringing value to it and we're willing to pay fair market value. We're not asking for it for free, but then, you know, arranging out the logistics and getting the wood to the shop. And then once it's there, it's like, oh, these are prized pieces. You know, in, in, in our eyes, we're holding a piece of gold mm. because we couldn't get it here. We couldn't find it here mm. in the same way that we need it to be. By the way, uh, what does kanila mean? It means joyful sound. Oh, okay. Kani so is sound. So initially, that was the, the thought for you uh, as far as naming the, the, ukulele. the ukulele? Well, it, it's actually a family name. So my grandmother, my mom's mom, Grandma Honeybee, Bernice was her name, but Honeybee we knew her as. Her middle name was Kanileo Kalanga Heleo Pa'i'i. You know, one of those 27 okay, letter okay, Hawaiian middle names. That wouldn't be the name of the... So, of course... I could fit on the, on the headstock. <laughs> <laughs> Our headstock would be this long. <laughs> so, you know, knowing that Kanileo Kalanga Heleo Pa'i'i wouldn't necessarily fit, although it does, the meaning is, uh, from the deep forest, a joyful sound is heard. Where people go as a source. That's heavy, man. Yeah, so that's our that's our family name. You know, it's in our in our genealogy in our Kuau house. So, my grandmother she then named my aunt, my mom's twin sister, my first ukulele teacher. Everyone knew her in in the Hawaiian community. She was known as Kaval, which is Kanileo Kaval Naheleo Pa'ii was her middle name. And then now even our middle son Iokepa, his middle name, he sports you know Kanilea O Kaval Naheleo Pa'ii as his middle name. Uh, So. Just getting a segment of our name to say our family name and having it on our instrument was pretty much worth a thought. And then Kanila, uh, of course, it fits. Yeah, know, joyful sound. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I want to go back because these these guys didn't go Kalo High School. Yeah. So uh, I want to know. Yeah. As a, as a Kalo High School graduate. Yeah. Did you did you see this? Like, cause you know when you go Kalo High School, you're just trying to finish school right and survive of course right so i mean <laughs> make it home right exactly to make it home so yeah. uh, just for uh for people is that who, your guys slogan what survive make yeah it survive home. and make it home yeah, yeah. Right. one piece <laughs> and not in but, a cast <laughs> but i mean uh, you know i mean Kaloa, like every public school you know it's it's got its ups and its downs and and right. uh, it, it's it's places where you go and it's places mm-hmm. where you don't go right, right but um for you when you were going to Kaloa. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see yourself doing this? Not necessarily. You know, did you I take mean, wood shop and all that, though. I did. Yeah. You yeah. know, in metal shop, and mm-hmm. I, oh, I. By the way, when I was in high school, I always stayed away from the metal shop guys because. Yeah, yeah. you, you lose your you lose your lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it, nobody. I, I I could say this with all confidence. At the time, nobody really knows what you want to do yeah. or what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, life's purpose sometimes is by surprise and even if it is by design you know it's still really unknown in high school what you're going to become or what you're going to do but for you probably as a kid you always wanted to be a fireman yeah 
and I think it was cool, it, you right? know, yeah. oh, fire truck. They're going to the <laughs> yeah. where everybody's six, running. Six digit, the fire truck yeah. is going. Yeah. Everybody right wanted to be on fire, man. I was right. just too short and too lazy to be on fire, man. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess with with respect to the fire department and you know to career day at Kylo High School, knowing that ultimately you got to find something in your purpose, you know. And I love being a firefighter. I mean, that was the camaraderie, you know, just helping people. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of, I think, instinctual or or by nature for us, you know. When you see somebody, somebody you know or don't know, and they have a flat tire, instinctually we want to go help them. Yeah. You know, or we want to, especially if it's, you know, somebody who, who would need our help. And so to me, that made sense. You know, loving the beach, growing up in Hawaii and, and, and you know, being a waterman to say, a lifeguard wouldn't have been a bad career either. Yeah. You know, but it seemed it, it made better sense, you know, to becoming a firefighter. And even growing up, you know, my dad's like, okay, after you graduate, you got to, you know, um, Take the police test, take the fireman test, take the post office test, you know, because even as parents, you're worried about what is your, what is your kid going to be it, and what is he going to do? Did those occupations run in your family, that's why? Yeah, my dad was a policeman, uh-huh. my grandfather was a postman, uh-huh. you know, so I guess, you know, being a civil servant in some capacity was what you would do, or at least, you know, from, from, from being at home, that was kind of the career guide, you know, or the career path. Mm. Um, you know, and... Taking the test, it's not like, oh, crack a jack, I get this, you know, I'm, I'm walking out of there like, holy moly, that was a tough test. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy test. Police, fire, and, and, you know, the post office. So just to hear that you passed was kind of like, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I went to school for something. You know, I'm going to become something. And, you know, then, of course, you know, going through the whole acceptance and, and, and I, passing I the agility the post office that. test. For real? Yeah. Hmm? Before I became a real estate person. Really? Yeah. Because I was just like trying to figure out what to do, and someone's like, Oh, go take the post office test. I'm like, Okay. I can see you as a mailman. Like, yeah, I'd be outside, I'd be yeah. you know, walking around. You'd be a lot one arm dark, though. Yeah, you'd be a little yeah. darker yeah. complexion. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it would be a little bit tanner. Yeah. <laughs> Only one side, though, your body with a sun. Yeah. With the arms sticking out the window. Only the one yeah, arm. Yeah, you're going to look like Hikaida, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? We were talking before we started. You know, your son, your oldest, is 28 years old. You know, and I, you're two years younger than me. And Kyle and I are going, wow, you have a 28 year old here, <laughs> two years younger than us. It's kind of a, it's kind of a trip. So, did you get married younger, or I mean, how did you meet your wife? Actually, it was a blind date. No. Yeah. Wow. So her her aunt worked at the bank, Territorial Savings in Kailua, where I used to do my banking, and it was around Christmas time. And I guess she told Kristen, told my wife, hey, there's a guy who comes to the bank. Uh, and I fit the criteria, yeah. I had a job and I had a car. You know? <laughs> hey, were, were you a fireman already? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, oh. excuse me. I was. I was so a yeah, fireman. Was, was oh, and she was like, oh, and he's a fireman. Yeah, he was a fire fox yeah. at Kailua, right? Well, I don't know. Fire ox, maybe. <laughs> 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 so, you know, going into the bank and me being Joe. Christmas time, I take my ukulele. I'm Christmas caroling with them and oh. I'm singing. And oh. that was just me, which in turn, I guess... You know, for for Kristen's aunt, you know, who was setting up our blind date, yeah. she's like, man, this is this is like the perfect guy for my niece. Mm. <laughs> and uh, of course, the the she called me, which I guess apparently oh. in the nineties was oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. she called me, 
And of course, I answer the phone, and we have this long conversation, like hour, hour half, about just us, wow. you know, in life and what we're doing and things. And then she says, "Oh, you know what? I have to run an errand. Excuse me." And I said, "You know what? So do I." So, this is a trippy story. We hang up, and this is all before cell phones and all that stuff, right? So, jump in my car. I gotta take home my niece and my nephew. So they live kind of on the other side of Kailua, um, where where I grew up was in Enchanted Lakes. And they lived uh, off of Oniaba, so kind of in okay. Coconut Grove area. And um, so I jump in the car and I go and I see my sister-in-law. And of course, she tells me, oh, what's new? And I say, oh, you know, I just got off the phone with this girl. Her name is Kristen. And my sister-in-law goes, Kristen Slavish? I was like, yeah. How do you know Kristen? She goes, she was just here. I was like, Whoa, what? what? Yeah, she literally just left. So I dropped off my niece and nephew. I went home, and as promised, I called her back, and she goes, were you at Puddy's? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and Puddy asked the same thing. And so uh, her errand, because she, at the time, she, she was really into health and, and still is, you know, so she was selling the vitamins of the time. I don't mm -hmm. remember exactly what it was, but, you know, selling vitamins. Shackley, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, some multi-level marketing yeah, something, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, at yeah. the time. And... Uh, I was going to drop off my niece and nephew, and just so happened both of our errands was to the same place, literally what? the same house. Trippy, huh? Oh, that was your density. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since that's then. A, that's a Back to the Future uh, reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, I see. He's, he's making a funny. He's making I a funny. See, I see. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So and that's how we, uh, so we she's, met, really. So your wife is from Kailua as well? She's from Kailua as well. Wow. So and she went here. to... No, so she's actually... Sorry, I've tapped the table twice. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Everybody does. Citation. Everybody does. It's okay. <laughs> um, or was that GPO? I'm going to have to kind of pass. So uh, she went to Kylo Intermediate. She's an 87 grad, or excuse me, 89 grad. But in Kylo Intermediate, we shared the same friends, but never, never really met. knew each other. What? Yeah. Wow. It's really weird. Or we may have, and I may have been like, oh, who's that? You know, but yeah, never yeah. really talked. And even even later, when she first seen a picture of me and a picture, I seen a picture of her, picture of her, it was like, I knew who she was. It was really weird. Oh, wow. And so I guess in a certain degree, yeah, it was. Ah, it was fate, man. Fate. Yeah. But did she go to Kalo High School as well? Or she no, went to so she, she went on to uh, Hawaii School for Girls, oh, which is now okay. La Pietra. Um, and then I went from Kalo Intimidate to Kalo High School. Okay. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. trip. Yeah. That is so cool, man. You know mm -hmm. what? In the 90s, me and you never get calls from girls, though. I, yeah, I know. I didn't get calls from any. Really. I think we had to be Dude. a fireman, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just have to have a job and a car. <laughs> I had a job and a car. <laughs> Do your wives remember meeting you guys for the first time? Uh, yes, because my wife hated me. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that was a whole... I met my wife day. when she was in high school and I was still in college. Yeah, he was so scared, baby. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, cause I not in that way though. I was a I was a um, leader, like a counselor for her leadership. That's, that's the story he likes to tell. And then he likes to she tell was like story. a junior, and I was like I don't know in college. And then um, <laughs> we kept in touch throughout when she graduated. Yeah, oh, this, uh -huh. this doesn't sound and then skip it at all, <laughs> dude. And then years later, <laughs> she came over to my house because the, my roommate was her classmate. So we, we randomly, just randomly, yeah. We like, to, we like to say that most other guys, we have to go looking for our wives. Kyle's came to his house. Yeah. 
he just had to sit there long enough for her to show up in his house <laughs> and then everything worked out <laughs> he's like that he's like that dog in japan the one that's at shibuya just sat there and waited pretty much yeah but yeah she came back for you but it worked mm-hmm. out yes, it worked well. out it works out for him to this day so yeah, even my COVID shot. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I was going to say that part, <laughs> but I didn't want to. <laughs> he did. He, he's, we get COVID shot. Uh, I don't know. And then our, one of our friends who's a doctor mm-hmm. came over to the house with COVID shots and he got a shot. Wow. Yeah. She probably saved my life though because I was too lazy to go. <laughs> it's the power of Kyle. Because I anyway. remember meeting my wife, but she don't remember that day meeting Why? me. Really? Because apparently she was not impressed. But you was checking her out. Yeah. Really? Where? You were checking yeah, her out. Yeah, New Age dorms. Oh, wait, Mokihana. Uh the low rises. Oh, why not? She was already. Yeah, yeah, but you weren't staying at the dorms, right? No, I was there for a dorm party. You went to a party? Of course, I went to. A, what? Come on. <laughs> really? Yeah. With your grape juice. And then, I, and then I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had my Pepsi. Thank you. <laughs> Ready to go? Shit, Joe. Let's turn it back to you since I'm just gonna be made fun of no matter what. We all thought we were, we all thought we were square, and then we met. No, we win. Okay, no, he wins. All right. Oh, so, Joe. So Joe. Anyway, back tell to us, you. Tell us a little bit more about Kanilea Ukulele. I know you have. So, uh, before we we started this thing, we were talking mm-hmm. about the different styles because not everybody can spend a thousand dollars on an ukulele. Mm-hmm. So we have a beginner level ukulele. We have mm-hmm. the kind of like I'm getting into this ukulele all the way up to I'm uh, I, I have I want a signature Aldrin Guerrero or something style <laughs> ukulele. You know, like how, so how does that all work out? But you know, I, I to the store. <laughs> Edwinwood Mall. Yeah, I know. And well, all other there, there you will see every single style of ukulele that Kanileo makes. And you can walk through the store for like hours going, so oh, look at this one. Look at this one. And you, you'll see. You'll see the ukulele that you can give to your grandkid because it's like, a, uh, like oh. $60, $70. And you know they're going to break wait, it. Wait, wait, so what is the, the price range? Ones. And, yeah. and about there. You know, they yeah. start off. You know, and, and, and a good ukulele, not just like a novelty ukulele. Yeah, not the kind you buy at ABC drugstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, they start off around 70. Really? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. then they'll, you know, and even that, they'll run up to, depending on the size, of course. So depending on the size of the kid or the size of the, the player who it's for, you know, um, they can range all the way up to about 400, you know, in that different sizing. And, and more, I say affordable, you know, where somebody could... Whether it's a, a, a gift, a, a big important gift, or even just some to get them started, mm-hmm. you know, something that can just hold a tune and stay in tune and you know be in pitch and those kinds of things. Do you make those beginner ones a little bit more indestructible too? <laughs> in some ways, yeah. The finish yeah. is thicker. Yeah. To say, you know, yeah. the finish on you know something really high end, it's it's really thin. Yeah. But you know, we start to look at tone and the effect both positive and negative that a finish could have and if it's too thick then you know it's going to affect the tone yeah but then it's going to on the other side especially for for an entry-level instrument it's it's going to protect the instrument because it's going to get lickings right yeah. they're going to drag them across the floor <laughs> they're going to throw the case yeah. you know, they're going to do that which in turn you know you take have to have a beach finish. take them to the beach yeah, yeah. right yeah. you know and i always say i from a builder's point of view i'd rather see an ukulele all bus up because then I know it's being played, you mm, know, instead yeah. of it like pristine in the case and never played, 
you know, you can immediately tell it's not even in tune. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's not even really being enjoyed because the intent, especially from a builder, is for it to be enjoyed, you know, to yeah. be played and then to be shared, you know, that people are playing with you and are listening and enjoying the music. Yeah. So I was yeah. excited to go into that store because I, I uh, you know, you, you've opened, it's been about two years now, mm-hmm. right? Oh, the, the mall store. Yeah, the, yeah. the mall store. It was actually so during the middle of the pandemic. Oh, that's right. So we were subleasing where we currently are on Kalhuipa and our neighbor needed the space back. So long story short, we contacted the mall and not knowing what it was even going to cost to be at Winter Mall. You know, we had all these kind of preconceptions of oh it's going to be expensive yeah. so, but okay. the reality is it, it's it's not you know in comparison to warehouse space yeah but when we look at retail space it's really not and so when my wife reached out to them you know we've been involved with the mall in different capacities through the years um, you know through the songwriting contest that they have every year also ukulele club that we do every month you know it's a free event where everyone comes out and plays ukulele so when um, when my wife reached reached out to them, of course they said yes. We we would love to have you guys here. So my wife went first, kind of just scouted, and there was a few places that were open, and she really liked this one place. So so of course as soon as she came back to the shop, got me and the three boys. Come on, let's go. We gotta go. We gotta go. We have, I've seen. I found it. You know. So we went, and sure enough, it it was the old wet seal. So it's mm-hmm. upstairs, kind of by uh-huh. the Macy's wing. Uh-huh. You know that okay. that side, the Makai say wing, where. Um, it was pretty much just a big box. Yeah. There was nothing. There was a, a a small stay for pups of war. It's kind of like an airsoft kind yeah. of mm-hmm. you know Nerf kind of games, uh, shooting game for the kids that they had moved and they had just gotten into their new location. Then of course the pandemic hit, and this space became available, and it was like perfect because we could have showroom, which is what we really mm-hmm. needed, mm-hmm. office, which is what we had on Kauhipa was basically the showroom and the office. And then we always wanted like a little studio area where we could say so-and-so is in town. They could come in and, you know, jam something or, you know, we could do some Lessons form of music because we had, in our, in our old shop, we used to have um, Mele and Mo'olelo, which of course was more the, the song, yes, the Mele, but also the story behind the song you know and have uh you know uncle led kaapana and and jerry santos and these legends you know that we don't really know how long they're going to be with us but their songs and their music will always be with yeah. us right so kind of the sharing of the song and we, we wanted in 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 planning you know we wanted to kind of create that space and here we had the the, the space to afford having where we could have mele molelo and the things that really we were looking forward to doing and it it, it happened you know so uniquely because it was right when one of the shutdowns was taking place so production had shut down you know, everybody oh, had to yeah. stay home mm-hmm. and so we got to kind of refocus all our efforts into building this new store and the boys really kind of took the lead as far as the colors the flooring um you know where we could make a classroom where we could make a studio where the offices could be and you know kind of the design of it and then we just went at it you know and got the flooring from home depot and you know mm-hmm put up walls and it's kind of like a family project yeah family COVID. project yeah. Yeah. it's a beautiful space though i mean yeah, I've, I've been in there a, a number of times now mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's cool because it's very inviting you walk inside mm-hmm. they just go hey how you doing yeah. <laughs> you look around and and really uh, the the thing that i'm over at the most was you know you go to the the high-end you know ukulele places mm-hmm. it's all ukuleles and like you don't even want to touch like a thousand dollars or whatever they're right. hanging on the wall and you go 
oh okay I, I just couldn't but as I walked around the store mm-hmm. what I was struck by was there are the the ones that are for kids mm-hmm. right that are close to kids eye level mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they want to pick them up and they want to try it you can you can let them do that but then right. there's also this whole other section where you go wow there's bass ukuleles and there's mm-hmm. you know tenor ukuleles there's concert ukuleles and there mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different woods that you can choose from and stuff so i was really uh it, it was fascinating and i don't i don't really play mm-hmm. play ukulele particularly well yeah. but it makes you go oh i kind of wouldn't mind playing one of yeah, these yeah, on yeah, the yeah. wall over yeah, here thank you. which you know like you said right is is the whole um reason I, behind why you make these mm-hmm. and and the craziest thing is so the mall uh, management, they've been amazing and really inviting and, and accommodating in so many different ways. And they had reached out to Kaimana because really our oldest son, he takes care of marketing and sales. So that's he's right in his element there. And they said, hey, could you send some pictures of the store? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. What for? And they said, oh, we have this contest where we entered the store and we thought you guys' store would be perfect to be entered into this contest. So in Kaimana's mind, he was thinking, oh, okay. You know, the local malls, they have like a little contest and they, you know, share whose store is new or whatever. <clears throat> so he took pictures, sent it, not thinking anything of it. Maybe about three weeks later, she reached out and said, hey, your guys' pictures came out perfect and um, we, we nominated you guys. And Kaimana's like, oh, cool. So what is it for again? And she's <laughs> like, it's the ICSC. And Kaimana's like, never heard of it. She's like, it's uh, 7,000 malls across the world that are all part of this group and we nominated your store and he's like what (laughs) (laughs) he couldn't believe it so then uh you know a couple months went by and we kind of forgot about it you know it's like okay cool they submitted and then they made an announcement they said oh we we we've found the top 25 stores and our name was in the top 25 so we were going bananas you know as a family wow crazy and so oh but you're gonna have to watch there's this you know this this big conference thing and with online. COVID, it's going to be online. Yeah. 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 Um, so we watched, of course, because we're all excited, and we won gold. We oh. won first place in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's <been> crazy. <laughs> and even us were like, "What?" <laughs> we couldn't believe it when they said Kanile Ukulele win won gold from the ICSC. That is so wow. From the world. From the world. Well, <laughs> not just the local malls and not even nuts, United man. States. That's yeah. all the, it's crazy. All the elbow grease you put in personally. Yeah, you, you know, know, and it was all of our hard work. Yeah. You know, and I always, yeah. I, I give credit to our boys because they have, you know, this vision yeah. to say. What yeah. did, what did mm. you get from there? Like a plaque or something? Yeah, or? you know, nothing, but. <laughs> 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 Yeah, they had this big big money or anything, but we all are flags. Yeah, no, nice. Not cheaper rent or any of that. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on winning, bro. But you know, and even for the mall, I brought recognition to Windward Mall. Yeah. Yeah. Their first time what ever honor, winning, too. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, for our state now, in that respect, too. Wow. Windward Mall's parent company is who? It's, it's Kamehameha Schools yeah. who owns. Oh, so it's not like the, the uh, somebody like that owns all the other no, malls. Or yeah. Owns yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay. That's why it's so kind of a, even more of a trip because there's there's such a, a symbiosis almost between right. you know Kamehameha schools mm-hmm. and Ukulele right. factory that's making. Oh ukuleles. yeah, that's right. You know that's right. I mean? It is so kind of a unique mall that that carries a lot of local brands and yeah. a lot yeah. of yeah. local yeah. things. Yeah, and and they've been really cool. focusing on that kind of more community base. Yeah, yeah. So for our dream or our vision was also to include education because that's still an important component to ukulele you know as far as nurturing our next generation of players right and uh so we had designed into the space a, 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 a classroom and 
we weren't there actually. Kaimana, our oldest son, was meeting with Kelly Boy, and the whole Delima Ohana was there. And Kaimana shared the dream because we we're still kind of under construction, and you know we're we're building things. And Kaimana, I mean, uh, Kelly Boy said, "Brah, you're not gonna believe it. That that was our yeah, dream yeah, too." Yeah, yeah. And so we started talking. And then when we realized, when we started talking story, that our little classroom would not be able to accommodate what their dream really was, which is, of course, ukulele, to teach ukulele, but to teach bass, to teach guitar, to teach piano, to teach vocals, to that's teach a, that's only the entire band. No, yeah. I was going to say, that's only one-third of the instruments that Kapena plays. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well, and, plus, and I think he probably wanted to teach production, too, because yes. yeah. he's world-class with yeah. that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So kind of sharing their dream sparked the, the conversation to say, hey, how can we partner in a sense where we don't necessarily have enough space for the dream, but maybe there's a space for the mall or the space that the mall might have. Yeah. And so when they sat down with the mall, or I should say we sat down with the mall, uh, the space next door was coming available. Oh, kind of semi-available, yeah. but yeah. they could have, the, the um, maintenance guys were using a part of it. And all they had to do was basically <laughs> move their stuff. You know, They had a bunch of stuff in there, but it, it, it freed up the, the bay right next to us, which in turn, opened up Kapena School of Music. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Which is creating that community. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the mall is yeah. looking for, you know, this community yeah. where people yeah. come for ukulele club and come and learn to play or come to learn piano, vocals, you know, bass, drums, of course. All, all I know is I couldn't work there because I just eat H&T burger every day. Just get fat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the teriyaki, teriyaki fries. Sauce, yeah, teriyaki fries. Plus every Greek day. corner, right. hot dog on a stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be able yeah. to stay away. <laughs> but um, one of the other cool things is, is your partnership or, you know, uh, that Lena Girl has been working with you guys for a super long time. Yeah. Um, and that, I can't say it's a marriage because she's married to somebody. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that partnership that you guys have developed over the years, it's really cool. I mean, I... Uh, I she was one of the first people that I know that sort of did that. I mean, I know that there are other, you know, sort of um, uh, like team writers, like team writers and stuff like that, right? right. But for Lena Girl, it was it was more than that. What is I mean, what, what exactly are you talking about? Um, she works for us, but she's yeah. also an, an artist. So really, yeah. oh. we got introduced pre Kanilea, yeah, you know, with Lena and Sam, and you know, Sam as an artist, Lena then as an artist. And really, that's what our relationship was like for many years. Mm -hmm. And then our niece, who was working with Kristen or working with us in, in the front office, and she was pretty much my wife's right-hand gal, you know, and her name was Konoi. And Konoi had a dream. She always wanted to become a police officer. And she got in, which was, we were super excited for her, of course. And so we were having lunch with Lena, and Kristen goes, you know, we're taking resumes for Konoi's position. Konoi is going to start training and Lena's like, oh, okay, I'll keep my eye open. And then the next day, she shows up with a resume. And Lena's like, oh, who is it? And she's like, oh, me. me. <laughs> and we're like, what? And she goes, yeah, I would love to be part of what you wow. guys are doing. Yeah. And, of course, we hired Lena. She immediately came on board. Kind of did initially what Kanoa used to do. But then we, we really, you know, seeing Lena's strengths as far as her community involvement, she really slid into artist relations, public relations, you know, that side of our business, which works hand in hand with marketing, really. Mm -hmm. And she was like the perfect fit. And schedule wise, we're, you know, flexible enough that 
if for any reason Nina had to run and take care of something, whether it's an event or you know take care of Sam or whatever it may be, she could do that very easily. So that's where really she was a perfect fit because she had all of this background and experience and her connections in a sense, which really aligned perfectly with what our connections and the things that we really needed as far as our community involvement. So it was yeah. really a win-win for it sure. Was really, it was really interesting to talk to her about the uh, the relationship because it wasn't for her. It wasn't like she was working for you guys. It was kind of like she was working for you guys, but it was more like, oh, this is my family yeah. that I, you know, I play the ukuleles and I represent them, but mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a deeper thing for her yeah. than that, which is really cool because that, I mean, I think uh, now when I see artists, I see more of that. Uh, Kamaka has that as well. I mean, all the all the mm-hmm. sort of ukulele companies mm-hmm. have started to sort of do that um, to to form that bond with the the artist, so that it's like, oh, okay, family will come over and hang out, mm-hmm. you know, and then they may be working for them, but it's a it's a much um, yeah, it's a, it's just a much deeper connection than that, which yeah. is really nice. And I think you know, even for Lena, although she is a Kanileo artist. And with respect to a lot of our artists, they could play any ukulele. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could play any brand and represent them really, really well. You know, she chose us in many ways. One, because yes, because of our ukulele. But, you know, it's it's more what is kind of behind the scenes of our ukulele, mm-hmm. which she's really behind. You know, when we look at from a simple goal of planting a core tree for every ukulele we build to where we are today, where we're actively engaged in reforestation. That's right, yeah. You know, we've okay. planted... I'm glad you bring that <laughs> up, because that was the, the Ooh, one thing nice I wanted segue, to nice get segue. to before we... Yeah, before we... Uh-huh. So, to talk a little bit more about the reforestation projects that you yeah. have working. Yeah, it, it it's a passion project. As a simple goal, which really, it started from, you know, before Brother Is passed, and I remember we went to his mm-hmm. concert, we were at the Shell, and we took Kaimana with us. He was probably maybe three, you know, really young. So it would have been in like 97, 96, 97. And uh, of course, before Iz had passed. And he said, you know, no cry for me. Mm-hmm. Go plant one tree in the middle of Kapiolani Park. You know where all the kids play soccer? Go plant one tree. Go plant one core tree over there. <laughs> you know, and that's how you guys are going to remember me. And, you know, of course, Ho'onua took that concept and, yeah. and created mm-hmm. Plant Me a Core Tree. Mm-hmm. So as a builder and even as a young ukulele player, you know, that seed had been planted where we, when we look at Kuleana and we look at Aloha Aina and the things, you know, that are part of our conversation a lot nowadays, what do we as an ukulele company do? You know, what do, what do we need to do? And, you know, from setting a simple goal of planting a core tree for every ukulele we build, that, you know, opened the doors, I guess. And the, the story is so funny because... We really didn't, you know, and people asked, so what was your guys' plan? And did you guys strategize and all this kind of stuff? And the reality is no. I was at the shop. It was a Saturday. And every time on a weekend, it's building jigs or, you know, doing tooling. It's not necessarily building ukuleles. It's more things that are going to be in support of building ukulele. And that's the normal Saturday kind of shop day. So I'm at the shop on Saturday. Kristen calls me and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I was sitting on the couch on my iPad. And this voice told me, go online, look at property on the Big Island. And she goes, I never heard a voice like that ever. So I did it because I never hear that kind of voices, you know. <laughs> and uh, so she did. And the first one came up. Uh, it was uh, 87 acres in Kona, uh, Hawaii Island, Kealakekua. 
clicked on the link. And so when she called me, she said, can I call my aunt? Because uh, her aunt growing up, uh, you know, her neighbor was a realtor. So she's going to go, of course, she's going to call her aunt and try and see if the property is still even available. So she calls her aunt and calls me back and goes, she talked to the realtor and he said, we can go up tomorrow if we want, if we're available. Should I book a flight? I was like, yeah, shoot. So she booked a flight. Uh, her aunt, myself, and, and Kristen flew up on Sunday. The realtor picked us up at the airport and drove us to Kealakekua. So it was about maybe 30 minutes south of the airport through Kona. And kind Nowadays of it's going to be 50. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, the traffic, traffic. Out of Costco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, so we get to the property and he goes, you know, this area that we're going to look at is going to come on the market but he actually hasn't listed them yet because he's trying to sell those other parcels first but we'll drive through it just to drive through so we do and we come and we come into this area and we're both in love we're like holy moly this is beautiful you know it's about maybe four miles off of the highway so we're up kind of on Mauna Loa at this point and it's really secluded private there's horses and sheep and goats and buffalo and llamas and all these kind of crazy animals you know so we're like holy moly it's like this whole world that's so different than our our, our oahu urban life yeah. you know and uh so we drive through this area we finally get up to the property that we're coming to look for and there was a fire back in 2006 or 2007 so this area had been scorched and that's what was online and that's what was listed so as soon as we got out of the car, Kristen's like, ah, no, I'm not feeling it. This, is, this doesn't feel right. And of course, me being Mr. Aloha, no, 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 we should go and look. The realtor's saying, hey, come and look at the pins and this and that and that and this. So we start to walk and look for the pins and we get lost. And then the clouds come in. The uhivai oh. is these like thick clouds and yeah, we can't even yeah. see. And now we're lost, lost. The realtor falls, all bloody, busts up on a'a lava. Yeah. Oh and we're God. going in circles. We're literally lost. Uh, her aunt has, uh, you know, her knees are bad. So she didn't come. She was just going to stay at the car. Because this was only going to be a 15, 20 yeah, minute yeah, look yeah, yeah. at two and a half hours later. Oh, my God. Kristen's like, dude, get out your compass, man. We're lost. <laughs> you know, we're going in circles. And even with my compass out, we don't know where to go. So I'm thinking, okay, we just got to go west. We're going to go Makai. And we're going to come to a yeah. road. Or we're going to come to something at some point. So I'm just... Let's hold due west. So you're in lava rock and 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 like field. Of yeah, like it's like pasture area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't really forest. It was more this pasture area. But you like you couldn't see because of tree lines and stuff, or just the clouds were yeah, so just thick. Clouds yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's, that's spooky, man. You can't even see like yeah. 15 feet in front of you. So we're walking in now circles. Is she going like, I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So my my shoulder was all bruised already from my soldiers, <laughs> you know. And it was so funny because the realtor is lost. But he doesn't want to say he's lost, of course, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, we're going to get to the wall. It's right over here. Oh and Kristen's like, gosh. dude, we're going in circles. So we just kept walking west, and eventually we got to a road. Eventually got to uh, the main road, to say, and started walking back up to the car. And so by the time Kristen's aunt finally sees us, she's hysterical. Oh. She comes running up. She's like, I thought you were an axe murderer and you just killed my nephew and my niece. Wow. And she was going off. I was beeping the horn. I got to use the bathroom. My phone don't work. You know, she was just freaking out. But we got lost and he was all bloody. I mean, it was, it was like crazy. So we ran out of time. Of course, Kristen wanted to go and see the original parcel that we drove through that was not on the market, but soon to be on the market. And we ran out of time. So we, we went back to the airport. 
So Kristen's aunt, she was smart enough and she realized what we had seen. And she was smart enough, she says, if you guys are really interested, make an offer. I suggest go back up there and, you know, offer in hand. So we flew up Monday. We took Kaimana, our oldest son, offer in hand. The realtor knew who we were. He picked us up. Her, her aunt wasn't able to make it. So it was just the three of us. And we made an offer and they accepted the offer. And that's how fast it happened for those first parcels that we went and looked at. Wow. Yeah. And so when you're there and you see clouds in the days, what you guys do? Just run. run. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it comes in every day. But now we're accustomed. You know, once you got Ma'atu or you know, yeah. familiar with, then, okay, we know where we are. But when we were with him, he didn't know where we were. That's scary. And that's where we got spun oh, around. You know, scary. he didn't know the area well enough. Uh, so did you so did you in the building a house? We did. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of maybe taking the steps, uh, you know, kind of circling back to the story as far as from the goal of planting a koa tree for every ukulele we build, we had no idea how to raise a koa tree, how to plant a koa tree, yeah. how to do mm -hmm. any of that. You know, this was all just by faith at that point. Of course, after accepting our offer, we started to research and ask, and we got introduced to these beautiful Hawaiian men, you know, old-time cowboys, retired. One is Uncle Jackie. He's a retired DLNR. Another one is Uncle Ed uh, Akana, who lives, like, right there. And he, like, of course, we were under interrogation first. Like, who are you guys? And what are you guys doing? Where are you guys from? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And then once they found out who we were, uh, you know, they, they, they said, yeah, we in. We'll help. And, I mean, amazing help. Like, Dawn Patrol, before the sun is even up, out, getting ready to put fencing, got his mini excavator, digging holes, wow, got us all wow. the, you know, where to get, get, get your poles from here, get the fencing from this place, get, you know, because he knew, because he said, you know, we put up fencing for years, but it was primarily to keep the animals in. We basically putting up fencing to keep the animals out, yeah, you know, yeah. so we're doing the same work. It's just now we're doing it for a different reason. And so once we got the, the fencing up and we did the environmental assessment and this and that, so we actually bought the parcel in July of 2014. We planted our first trees in July of 2017. So it took three years oh, to put wow. up the fencing, do wow. the environmental assessment, you know, put all the pieces into place to get ready to plant. And all that time we were trying to learn. And so at the time, the theory behind reforestation was get as many trees into the ground as quick as you can and you're going to have a 30 to 35% die-off. That's mm -hmm. just how it is. Wow. And so me and my wife were talking, we're like, we're not going to do all of this hard work for one C grade. You know, we're not going to do all of this for that. So we started to talk to more experts. And then we started to learn that the experts weren't really necessarily experts. They were learning too. So hmm. there was a, a gentleman, his name is JB Friday, and he's part of the state forestry. Now he's kind of more focused on uh, rod and uh, ohia, you know, the uh, rapid mm. ohia death. But at the time, you know, we started to learn that if you give the keiki more greenhouse time and they establish a better root to shoot or a better growth to say that they have a better chance when you go to plant them. Mm -hmm. So that first year we planted in 2017, uh, July, we started. Uh, Lina was there, mm -hmm. part of our first planting. Yeah. And that year we planted 5,000 keiki. Oh. We only lost five from wow. that what? first planting wait, yes wait. how do you get a kiki from for, for, a, for a coral tree do you get it from an older coral tree or yeah primarily so you know here we were we were bringing a different mindset because and even from an ukulele builder because 
I'm sure you can imagine the first thought is okay cool you guys planting cool trees so you guys can build more ukuleles you know uh, that would be yeah. that would make sense yeah. you know but yeah. in reality the stuff that we're planting is not going to become an ukulele you know definitely not in take, my lifetime years right Before yeah not end. even probably even in our kids lifetime but fortunately when we bought the gentleman who we bought from we got the parcel early enough before he went and did all the harvesting and unfortunately before he sold the other parcels there he went and cut everything cut all the koa cut oh, all the ibiahi oh. all the sandalwood oh my gosh and like crazy he went nuts but fortunately we bought when we did so we have these old growth kupuna koa trees that are phenomenal examples of acacia koa and they're really our kupuna trees so those are where we're getting our seeds from oh. to raise the kiki in our greenhouse and then of course to plant but these trees are like phenomenal straight massive, yeah. yeah massive core trees i mean you can see where someone could build a canoe from these trees wow, wow. and so funny we had the forestry guys uh, there's a company out there called uh, forest solutions and one of the guys his name is dustin he came out because we had two core trees that had fallen and basically verifying yeah they're dead and this and that and we were coming through this other section of the forest and he's seen some of our other old growth core trees and he immediately busted out his phone and he started taking pictures and he's like brah i've been on this mountain up down left right all over this mountain i can tell you right now there is no core trees like this anywhere miles this way or that way everything uh -huh. has been cut so here we uh -huh. have like these old growth super healthy really great examples of core and you know we're, we're, we're we have this whole different perspective which is you know we're not gonna cut them we want them to live actually because they're gonna give us seeds and more importantly it's what do we do with those seeds you know plant and then open up our seed bank you know and share what we're doing mm. so this year we'll we'll have crossed well over 30,000 trees planted and uh, we, we we've become contagious in a good way our Malka neighbor just Malka of us They've planted 9,000 keiki. Wow. Our neighbor north of us, they planted 2,000, and they're planting right now another probably 2,000, maybe 2,500. Another neighbor kind of diagonally across the road from us, uh, he's planting 30,000 koa trees. Oh, wow. Our other neighbor planted 10,000. So this whole community now is doing something that was typically not done as a private landowner, mm. which is doing reforestation and not necessarily raising of livestock and that's you know, amazing okay, wow. so that so era from the time you planted your first koa tree back in 2017 how big are they now now they're 40 feet plus wow wow they, they, they they're growing fast, oh, that's fast. yeah so you know it's funny because the gals from the state so my wife she's really good she she's not afraid to say i don't know who do we need to learn from you know and, and very you know, different than me, which is, oh, I know everything, and I get them, you know, we're not lost, I know where we stay, where are we, you know, kind of thing, yeah. but she's not afraid to ask, uh -huh. you know, and so, um, there's, there's, there's a program, actually, that's through the state, and even at the USDA level, you know, at, at the federal level, where if you're doing reforestation, they, they help you to kind of put the pieces together, you know, so introducing us to the people at the state nursery, to open up our seed bank where they can raise koa and then you know of course if there's anybody else who's interested but then we also have uh sandalwood iliahi seeds because we have old growth oh, iliahi great. too wow. and and kind of making it available but you know when my wife asked the questions now of course they're kind of you know 
curiously watching us because there's this is so new yeah. this whole reforestation kind of effort is so mm. new especially from a private landowner and um you know they they say hey we go to other projects you know one year growth two year growth you know six foot three year growth eight foot that's that's good growth you know and they come to our project and they're like blown away you know three year old four year old trees that are like 40 plus feet you know and just straight beautiful examples of koa you know that are healthy and they're thriving so we're learning now that planting them well is super important raising them in the greenhouse raising them properly is is priceless you know to get that type of of plant out success you know when we do go to plant and we have that many on on, on the other side we learned that it's not just koa that really needs our help it's really a biodiverse forest that needs help mm. so we're planting iliahi or sandalwood uh mamaki which you know they have the mamaki tea uh planting mamaki planting pilo planting you know all of the species to create biodiversity as that is what's a healthy forest you know it's not right. just right. Yeah. Tree, yeah. right so we're learning that because we have a third of the parcel that's an existing forest and in that it's kind of the roadmap or the template to what a healthy forest should look like and so being able to come into this pasture area you know that was cleared for cattle whatever 100 plus years ago but then restore and plant all of the species you know maile and 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 you know a healthy yeah. forest which to us, you know, it's kind of, it, 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 it evolved to being much more than just an ukulele company planting koa trees. Now we see that the ukulele was a component in our life to allow us to really do something that, that really has meaning, you know, mm. that will be here for generations. Yeah. And taking that model as a private landowner to other private landowners and saying, hey, this is something you can do too. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it isn't, uh, what I think is also fascinating, is it's not a money thing. No. It's not money driven at all. And it's right. become this whole other animal. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and your, can, your bio teacher at Kailo High School would be so proud of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, Mr. Oh, he was right by the, uh, right by the um, cafeteria. Oh, I see his <laughs> I face hear. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shucks. But anyway. if, you, if you could think about that, right? When you sit right. in your class, your science class at Kailo High School, you know Right. Someday we can do biodiversity in the forest. Right. Like, and we're like, what? What, Joe? Yeah. Excuse me? You're going to grow pakalola. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find more about it on the Kanilea Ukulele website, right? Yes, yes. I saw the link there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have one more question for you, and then okay. we're going to go to our Patreon section. Mm, nice. If you were stranded, say you were in the cloud uh-huh. again, and you couldn't find your way out for all of eternity. <laughs> My gosh. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> but but you can without take the bleeding without, um, without the without bleeding, the bleeding oh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and then your, your yeah. wife not can go sorry okay <laughs> <laughs> and you could take three albums with you that you could listen to hmm. for all of eternity what wow. three albums would you take with you to to your destination forever Makasans of Niihau Ho'oluana good album yeah uh, Dennis Pavao uh, Kaleo Kie Kie his first um, kind of solo album I mean the Hu Yohana albums all those so this is where the, the tear jerk is going to be is it Kalapana or CNK oh, Kalapana or CNK <laughs> can you go half half or that's a tough one <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll give you let's just half. get the we'll recording live at the Waikiki show with both of us oh yeah that's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> um, Makar Sons and Friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, very good. We're going to take a short break okay. and then we're going to come back. Joe's going to sing for us. Not Whoa. sing. He's going to play. I might sing. Well, we're going to decide that in a minute. He's like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, we're going to figure okay. something out. <laughs> but we'll be right back after this. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Mm-hmm. See you. Mahalo.